presents Where Is It? The Reflection by the Rev. Jean Randall Bodman, presented on Sunday, July 30th, 2023. Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a seed. It's like some yeast. It's like hidden treasure. It's like a net. Have you understood all of this? Um, no, not really. We may need to back up. In Matthew's Gospel, John the Baptist arrived on the scene announcing that the kingdom of heaven was close and calling people to repent, to reorient their whole heart and mind. Jesus followed him with the same message, wake up, the kingdom of God is at hand. Later, Jesus walked up a hill and began to teach about who belongs to that kingdom. He said, in that kingdom, you will find the pure in spirit, the meek, the merciful, the peacemakers, everyone who hungers and thirsts for right living, everyone who is persecuted for following God's way, people who have learned how to love not only their beloved ones, their close ones, and their neighbors, people who have learned how to love their enemies. Those are the ones who will make up God's realm. A little while later, he sent his 12 disciples, his 12 closest students, out to feed and heal, just as he had done, and also to spread this message that the kingdom of heaven was close by. The first thing to say right out loud is that if the kingdom of heaven, if the kingdom of God, is the name for something that happens on this earth, as I think we should conclude from everything Jesus says about it, if the kingdom of heaven is the name for creation when it is rightly ordered by the goodness of God, if all of that is true, then where is it? The kingdom that was close by 2,000 years ago seems not to have come one inch closer. Or rather, it comes, it comes close, and then again it is upended. We see it, and then we lose it. It comes towards us, and then again it is driven away by human greed and division and prejudice, our extremism and our violence. Jesus' disciples living under the boot of Rome must also have questioned, as I think we do, where exactly is this kingdom? Why can't I see it? Why isn't it coming loudly, triumphantly? As Reverend Alan Shearhouse put it in his blog, it's at that moment in the Gospels, as those questions start to percolate about where is this kingdom, that Jesus told today's little story, little parable of the mustard seed. It was an urgent message for those that were gathered around Jesus. They were trying to believe in the kingdom of God that Jesus was promising them. But they looked around, and despite momentary glimpses, there wasn't much evidence of a coming kingdom. The world was at war with itself in the very places where we still see conflict today. Caesar's taxes were oppressive to the poor, 
Money, just like today, flowed upwards. Hunger was an epidemic. People with serious illness faced uncertain futures. Religious factions were constantly in conflict with one another. The most vulnerable were being crushed. The disciples must have wondered if their hope would survive the pressures that surrounded them. Those closest to Jesus even wondered sometimes about his effectiveness. What difference was he making? When a woman used a costly jar of oil to wash Jesus' feet, some of those closest to Jesus demanded why that money had not been used more efficiently and benevolently to feed the poor. When Jesus lagged behind one day to keep company with some children, some of his followers questioned why he didn't get a move on it and get on to the more important tasks and the work, and make the work that would make a sweeping, real difference in the world. He never staged the overthrow that some wanted from their Messiah. He failed altogether to exercise political clout. And then he told them, the kingdom you're looking for is like a seed. For those awaiting grand, dramatic action, the arrival of the kingdom in spectacle and power, Jesus described the kingdom as seeds and fields and farmers and bread baking in the oven and people traveling a familiar road. He never asked people to leave the world that they lived in. Instead, he said, remain where you are. The kingdom is near you, even in places like this, where you sometimes feel crushed or overwhelmed, where there is evidence of death and despair around you. But you, Jesus said, who understand the world so well as it is, you are the ones who can still imagine it as it can yet be, even in your very lives, in your lifetimes. In Reverend Cherusa's words, though tragedy towers over us, God's realm is still at work. Though we can become increasingly overwhelmed and frustrated by things that grow up to choke out our own vitality, the kingdom is yet growing. It's in healing, it's in touching, it's in making things grow. The kingdom does not overtake us or overwhelm. It's the kingdom of a Messiah who rides on a lowly donkey instead of a conquering warhorse. Its message proclaims power in weakness and it proclaims greatness in service. Its enduring symbol is not a mighty throne or a scepter or any of the seats and symbols of power that we might imagine in our world. Its symbol is, of course, the cross and the table and the cup and the chalice. That kingdom is within the possibility of each one of us. Jesus tells his, par his disciples these parables of the kingdom because they needed to hear it. And maybe Jesus himself needed to remember it. It seems that Jesus could see all the way down through the years to those of us who would also need that message today, when it's hard to keep our eyes on a vision of the kingdom. The famous mustard seed is, of course, 
notable for its tininess. A single seed measures about the tenth of an inch in diameter, and you put 750 mustard seeds together and they weigh a gram. The reign of God, Jesus says, it's like this. It's so tiny, you might overlook it. It doesn't happen all at once, and it's not always clear. It's often overshadowed and seemingly overtaken. That's good news because that is, of course, where we live. That's how we experience life, in fits and starts. The message seems now as it was then. Look up. The kingdom is alive. Take what you have and what you know and what you are capable of and join it. Keep your eyes out. Keep your head up. Be alert for it. It is there, waiting for you to join it. Now, as some of you know, I am currently chair of our conference's wider church ministry office, uh, ministry team, which means I get to serve on the board of the conference. That may not seem like a fun thing, but, and it may seem like an unusual setting for such a thing, but I believe I glimpsed the kingdom of God at a board meeting recently, even on Zoom. It happened like this. All the board members and members of all of the ministry teams were asked to participate in diversity, equity, and inclusion training. That happened on an earlier day. I went to the first of the two days offered, and it was five hours on Zoom with a group of people and a very skilled facilitator whom the conference had hired. Our facilitator's voice was gentle and inviting, but his words opened up for us episode after episode of casual racism that he personally experienced in the white church where he grew up, a church where he knew that he was loved. The church where he was loved, quote, despite being black. I hope that hurts your ears to hear. The same white people who loved him thought they were doing him a kindness by, quote, overlooking his race, as if his race were an error or a blemish. They overlooked it rather than affirming it, supporting it, or even being curious about what his experience of life was like as a black man. They never asked. He still loves those folks, and he knows they love him, but he no longer goes to church with them. He wants more from them, and he wants more for them. It's heartbreaking. He then walked us through a relentless retelling of the racist history of America, from the capture and enslavement of Africans for sale in North America to the genocide and removal of indigenous Americans, through the boarding school programs that sought to destroy Indian language and culture, through Jim Crow, lynching, and redlining, to the over-policing, overcharging, and over-sentencing of black communities and the school-to-prison pipeline, through the Chinese exclusion laws and Japanese internment camps to the Muslim bans. None of this history was exactly news to those of us who were on that call. Some of the details certainly were. But for this predominantly, though not exclusively, white group, we were being invited to stay and sit still and listen to the whole arc 
of that history. That was new. We are not usually invited or asked or demanded to sit still and listen to the whole story. It was hard, and it was heart-sickening. And there were people among us for whom it was too much to take it all in in one sitting. They wanted some warning ahead of time. They felt blindsided. And there were some who wanted to move into fix-it mode immediately so that they wouldn't have to sit in the pain any longer. They assumed it would be a quick fix, and with their, with their know-how, we would get there. No one was condemned for having whatever feelings they were having, because we were all in it together, and it is hard work. And then when we debriefed the event later, one person was still shaken by how overwhelming it had been. She described it as a tsunami. And another participant, very gently but firmly, spoke straight from her heart and said, I know that for some of you, it would have been easier if we had broken this down into smaller chunks. But as a black person, I am in the tsunami every day. I can't just leave because the story gets overwhelming. Sure, I can take a break and drive over to the coast and have some, have some downtime and some meditation, but what if my taillight is out and I get stopped by the police? I am right back in the tsunami. I am asking you, she said, as your sister in Christ, to see the tsunami without looking away. She was valiant and she was vulnerable. She trusted us enough to tell us the truth of her experience. She trusted us enough to ask us to bear witness to that truth, to be in solidarity with her. She trusted us enough to ask us to be her allies, and I felt it as such a deep honor. So no, sitting on the board has not been a burden. It has been more like coming close to the kingdom of God that is coming close to us. A place where imperfect people are willing to be vulnerable and honest and search together for the world as it should be and can be a world ordered by God's goodness. It's like that pearl of great price we are being formed into a treasure, formed out of hardship. It's the grit of the sand inside the shell that creates the pearl, someplace hidden from the eyes of the world, but worth one's whole life. The reign of God is like that. It's small, but is still helping people to stand up straight it's still granting abundant life. It's still helping us to imagine something more than what crushes us in the world. Those mustard seeds that Jesus talked about, they were tiny, but they were alive, just like the kingdom. The glimpses that we have of it can feel so brief and even fleeting. Still, they are alive. It's not enough, of course, one small group to have a vision of racial justice. We want the whole world to change. Even Jesus seemed to know that the mustard seed kingdom is not enough. It's alive, but there's more. So he tells how the smallest seed will one day become the greatest of trees, where the birds of the air will nest. It's a callback to the vision of Ezekiel, 
where he compared God's reign to a cedar tree where birds of every feather will find shelter in its branches. The thing is, mustard seeds don't grow into great trees. They grow into stubby little bushes. It's an invasive plant, and it grows in cracks and crevices and will take over your whole yard. As one scholar put it, it would take a miracle for this small seed to grow into an enormous tree. It would take a miracle for God's kingdom to come on earth through our efforts. But we believe in miracles, and we believe in God's presence. We don't create it, we join it. And with Jesus, we trust that one day, God will transform all violence into peace, all fear into security, and all pain into rejoicing. As we continue to do what is in us to do, finding the depths of our resources and gifts, racism and homophobia and fear and brokenness will give way to a realm where all God's beloved children are safe to thrive. Jesus did not give the disciples a battle plan, an organizational flowchart, or a policy portfolio. He gave them images. He gave them the gift of imagination. He talked about seeds and nets and gems, and he said, and you belong. The kingdom of God starts with tiny seeds, but like the invasive that mustard is, it is tough and scrappy and tenacious and will blossom in all kinds of places. It is alive. Jesus believed it, and he asks us to believe it, to trust in it, that through the smallest of seeds, the kingdom is coming, and we belong to it. Amen. Listen, listen, listen.